0: So we have an amazing guest for you today. One of my close friends that I've been friends with for a very long time. Her name's Sunny Don Johnston. And not only is she a weekly columnist for Woman's World magazine, but she's also the author of 21 books. And she spent the last 15 years helping to find missing people for police organizations. So it's a really interesting conversation. She was one of the most pivotal mentors to me going through the hardest experience of my life, both me and my family. My dad's a Vietnam veteran. I'm Air Force. And it really changed our perspective and helping to heal from the loss of my brother. So I think you're going to have a powerful episode, maybe outside the box a little bit, but it really hopefully moves your heart and opens you up to new possibilities.
1: And for me, being a rational science-based person, but also from a warrior honor-based culture, just recognize how many of the rituals and protocol that we enact about streaks and about all the little details we do to pray to something larger than ourselves. And this is a conversation exploring that topic. Tune in. Welcome to the Winter Folsom podcast, your source for battle-tested leadership and resiliency. And we have an incredibly fun episode and guest today. I'm really stoked for this one.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about our guest today. Really excited to bring on Sunny Don Johnson. She has been a really close friend of mine for a long time and just to give a little bit of background, she does a lot of powerful work in the world and for those of you, we're going to be diving into subjects that may be a little bit uncomfortable or new or foreign to you today. So I think you're going to learn a lot and for me, I come from a very grounded background, but when I lost my brother, my brother died in 2008. I was wanting to know, okay, is he gone or is he gone? And I went really far into that extreme of reaching out to different psychics and channels and discovered this whole world that I didn't know prior. It was like, if he's here, I want to know and get confirmation. And I went through a lot of psychics and mediums and channels that I felt like were bullshit. And then I found Sonny. And Sonny gave me deep confirmation of there was a peace that came not only for myself, but my father, who's a Vietnam vet, when his parents died young, was just like people are just gone and it gave him hope of like, oh, I can still feel my son, and it gave him a lot of peace and calming in his body, and it shifted his whole narrative in addition to mine, so, and we've talked regularly as a family to him. He's part of the documentary that'll be coming out soon, and so just really excited to bring on Sunny. Not only does she a weekly columnist for Woman's World Magazine and the author of 21 books, and does so many different projects, which is really exciting, but she also helps the police find missing people and has been doing that for a long time. So it's going to be a really fun episode today. So Sonny, really excited to bring you on.
2: Awesome. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys.
0: Yeah. So I thought I'd just kick it off around people listening just to ground this in for a second. It may be their first time hearing like psychic medium or they've heard it, but they don't really understand it. And maybe we'll ground it right into what you do with police, uh, because I know that that kind of grounds, we may have a lot of police listening. And so that kind of grounds it in of like, oh, she helps find missing people. Can you talk a little bit about that world and what that looks like? And maybe an example of how that's happened so people can relate to what that is that you do and how that happens?
2: Sure, sure. So probably about 15 years ago, I started having experiences where I don't watch the news. Like I'm not a big news person, but my husband really liked the news. And so when People would come up and they'd say, this person's been missing for 24 hours or whatever. I started having experiences where I'd been doing mediumship already, but now I would have flashes and dreams and visions of where this person was and what was happening. And I didn't know what to do. So I did what I thought I should do, which is I called the police and I said, hey, this gal that's missing, she's out in the desert. She's wrapped up in a black garbage bag. And I think she's right in this kind of location area. And her husband, like I did the whole, I just threw it all out to him. And then they said, well, how do you know this? And I was like, oh, 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 oh. I said, well, I'm a psychic medium. And they said, well, can you give us more detail? And then I started getting scared because I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They're wondering how I know this. <laughs> Not in my skills, but like, mm. why are you calling it? So that scared the shit out of me. I hung up the phone. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> when did I start here, right? <laughs> and so I was kind of in a place of contemplation and like, What do i do with this and within probably six months of that where it was happening consistently i met a man who was an ex-dea agent and he had started an organization called find me and what find me was is ex-dea agents and police and and retired people along with search and rescue animals and teams and they were coming together with psychics to work on missing persons cases because he had worked with missing exploited children for many years So he'd created this organization where he was taking cases that people were challenged to find the missing people. A lot of those were old cases because to be honest, a lot of times police don't want our stuff because they think it's bullshit, right? So they started with some of those cases and then we as psychics would come in and we would get like an image of somebody, we'd get a birth date and sometimes the place they were missing from. And then what we would have to put together is what happened, where are they, latitude and longitude locations of their bodies. All of those types of things. And we solve cases, many of them. And so that was an outlet for that part of what was happening for me. And I'll tell you, in all of the work that I do and have done over the last 30 years, really, this is the hardest work. Because it's so emotional. Like, I cannot imagine being somebody that works out in the trenches as police and mm. fire all of, I mean, I really cannot imagine. I sit on the outside and I just have little pieces. Yeah,
1: you just threw out like really casually, yeah, she's in the desert wrapped in a plastic garbage really? bag. I was like, that's a horror, that just comes into your brain? The picture comes to me. That's disturbing.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, Hey guys, I'm having this experience, but you are all in it. Like you're looking at, you're finding the missing people. You're looking at the bodies. You're going through that pain. I couldn't even imagine. But mm. for me, what I was so happy about with finding this organization was that the information that was coming now had purpose. Like I could do something about it. And so we had a case that was out of Kansas or out of, I'm sorry, out of Texas. And in this particular situation, the police chief was really with us. Like they were on it, but that's not normally the case because they're wonder, they don't know. They don't know if it's just a a joke or if it's really serious. And there's everything in between because the reality of it is in the world, there are people that are jokes. There are people that it's just bullshit. And then there are people that are really doing this work from a heart-based guided, spiritually guided place. And so I understand the skepticism, like that doesn't bother me at all. I get it. Cause I actually, believe it or not, I'm kind of a skeptic myself in the sense of like, I got to see it over and over again. So this one case in Texas, we worked this case and we send in our information and it was December. And so there, when we found out about it and the guy had been missing since I think September or something. And so we sent in our stuff and the police chief was like, I really want to get on this. And there were several of us that got a very similar location within a mile of each other's um, latitude, longitude points. And, And it was in a river. And so he really wanted to get in the river, but it was frozen. So the very first day that there was enough of a thaw it was in April, the mid April that there was enough of a thaw. that police chief got out on a boat and he went to the location and they found the body a hundred feet from my point. And then several, a quarter mile, half mile from other people's point. Now, remember, I've never even been to Texas. I mean, at this area of Texas, like I didn't know anything about it, but intuitively that information and that energy from this man brought us so that the family could have closure. And it was a really cool experience because it was one of the times that the whole community, the police chief and all of the support were like excited about, at least we have somewhere to look because they didn't know, had no clue. So that was one of the cool stories.
0: Yeah, I really love it. And and a big part of what we do is it's about tribe. It's about community. It's about learning how are we all different? How are we all unique? And how do we serve the tribe? And so, big part of why I also wanted to bring you on is I know we have an active audience that are going to be skeptical when they get on and they start hearing. And I think even just if they've just started the episode and listening to now, it starts to give some clarity. Like, well, why not? That's what I want to challenge. Is like, mm-hmm. if I had a daughter or a son and they were missing, and there was somebody that actually was getting pictures like you're getting, why would I dismiss that? And right. again, I get you have to be diligent in what information you need, because everybody can bring information. So I understand there's a very pragmatic process, but I just wanted to bring greater awareness because in working with you, it's brought so much peace to my family alone. Because I think once you have clarity on something, at least for me, it shifted my whole narrative, right? It gave me a lot of calmness and peace, got me back in my heart. And so it can be a really different way to engage with the world versus a fear-based activated place where you're just hunting and looking for solutions, but you're not actually in a grounded place. You're in typically a fight or flight place, Right. And you have limited options because you're in the search.
2: And I think too, that part of what happens in, with using missing people as an example, is that we have ideas of the way things are normally done. And that's the status quo. That's what everybody does. And they walk their process and they do their things. But there are unusual situations where sometimes there's a dead end. There's no information. And what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is it's not any better than it already was. Best case scenario, which we've, I think that our organization has solved, if I remember right, I think it's about 65 cases at this point. And so if we can be a part of that, who cares where it comes from? Who cares what it is? If it's going to bring closure to your daughter that's been missing and to your family and your wife can actually go to sleep at night, then great. And I'm of that idea too. Like if I were in that circumstance, what normally happens for us is we get... We are the last ones called. We get the cases that are 20 years old, but then they just find us somehow, right? And then we're working those cases. But when we get a case where it's active, where it's just happened, we have such a higher potential to be able to make a difference because it's so much sooner, right? 20 years later, it's really hard to get all of those details. And even energetically, for those of us that are working in the energy fields to tap into that when it's been so long.
0: Yeah, I think that would be helpful. And I think this also gives what's gotten me really clear on discernment is when you get into talking to different psychics and channels, what you'll notice is some will ask you for all this information. And then there's others like you, Sonny, and that's my litmus test. Like you typically ask for a birth date mm-hmm. and very limited information. And then you give me all the information. And the way that I interpret it as a person uh, receiving that information is you're getting pictures and memories. And so you may not always know what it means, but right. I'm able to discern from what you're getting and sharing with me. Of the truth of that, and the differences of somebody's not legitimate, they typically ask all kinds of information and all kinds of mm. questions, and then they're feeding back almost right. the same things you just told. And yes. so it just feels really dismissive and mm-hmm. snake oily. But when somebody's legit, they just tap in. And maybe could you walk through what your processes around it so people can understand what somebody who's in integrity with the work they're doing? Because I know you didn't step into this field that came to you and you resisted it right. for a long time. And so it's like you said, I want to do this and I'm going to go search for this career. It's like it showed up and you denied it for a really long time because you're like, who am I? Why should I do this work? And then you finally started to listen to what you were being given. So maybe yes. walking through that process and also sure. how you do a reading or how you, it's the same process I imagine for finding somebody so that mm-hmm. they can understand that.
2: So yeah, first and foremost, probably it's a good idea to just say, I didn't sign up for this. Like, this is not my plan, right? I was a stay-at-home mom thinking I was just going to chill and, and be with my kids, and that's about what I was going to do. But what happened is I've been open. I've had connections and experiences with Spirit World since I was 13. So they started very early, and I would connect and, and feel the frequency and energy of deceased loved ones and angels and all kinds of spiritual activity most of my life. But it was just my own personal thing, my own private thing. And once in a while, friends were having a hard time or something like that, I would share it. But what started happening is like that experience with that particular case, that it just, I couldn't not pay attention because what my spirit kept saying is if you can help, how do you dare not to? What right do you have not to help somebody that is struggling right now when you have the ability to help? and so that's what started turning me into okay I'll do this and I started doing it professionally so that I could be of service in that way and I did I struggled for a long time with doing it because I just didn't want to be in the sadness also quite honestly on a selfish level like these cases are hard and it's sad and it's emotional and for those of us that are sensitive it's just we just take it in it becomes part of us right so I for sure went in kicking and screaming. But what has happened afterwards is that when I was able to help people, when I was able to see, literally see a change in their body, in it, their the way they held themselves simply because they had clarity, simply because that density shifted. Like I remember when I talked to you and the emotion just it moved out. It was like light bulbs, right? And so when I saw that, I started saying, okay. Yeah, this is now I can serve in this way. So what I do generally when I'm working a case, it's a little bit different because when we're working a case, I know their birth date. I usually have a picture of them and I usually know the last place they were seen. That's the information I get. That's it. So what I usually do is I start by what we call dousing. And so I take a map and I douse the map and that's using a pendulum for those of you that aren't familiar with that. So back in the day, and they still do, they would douse for water, right? That's how they would find water. So I use the pendulum and I would start with a map and I would just break down segments of the map until I get to a smaller space, a smaller space, a smaller space. So that gets me in the area. And then what I do is I go into either a meditative space or what I would call just a receptive space, a quiet space, and ask for the guidance. I don't always know if the person's dead or not. If they're missing, it doesn't mean they're dead. A lot of times they are, but it doesn't mean that. So I'll often ask the person that's missing if they are Passed if they've passed to come to me so they can show me where they are. If I don't feel that, then I just open up to the guidance. So the support angels, guides, other spirits, loved ones that might be able to give me some support in directing me in that way. So that's a little bit different when we're working a case than if I'm doing a reading for someone. So if I'm doing a reading for somebody, and most of the time when people come to me, they're coming because they're in pain. That's why that's really the only reason is they're struggling. And a lot of people that come to me are skeptical. They're just coming because why not? There's, you know, so-and-so said, so why don't I just try it? And what happens generally is what I'm doing is I'm opening up and I'm tapping into the heart connection, the love energy between the person that's in front of me and the person that's in spirit that they are connected to. So I tap into that energy and in that space, because of many years of practice, I can tune into that person in the spirit world. So a lot of times it's feelings that come through, emotion comes through, words, pictures, images. And as I share those, I don't know what they mean. I have no idea. Like, I don't know the whole life experience, right? I'm just getting snapshots and I just share those, but those snapshots mean something to them. And so I'm not of a lot of psychics feel this way, but I don't feel like I need to prove anything. That's not my point. That's not why I do the work I do. I do the work I do to help serve those that are interested. And if they're interested, I'm going to share the things that come to me. And I know that they come to me for a reason that that person will put together that information. I don't have to do it because they already know the person. They already know their name. They know the secret code they had. They know all of that. My job is just to connect with that person and help them to understand that they're still here, that the body left, because when a body dies, when when our spirit leaves the body, literally, if any of you have been with somebody, when somebody's dead, the spirit is what gives the body life. And when the body dies, the spirit transcends, right? It's released from the body. And so we can see when there's life in a body and when there's not life in a body. And a lot of people relate that to the heart's beating and things like that, but it's the spirit, it's the soul of that being that when their physical body dies, their spirit still goes on. And that person, whoever that is, that's wanting to connect with them, can see or feel or hear or know. And then most of the rest of the reading is education. I'm teaching people how to be able to recognize when their loved ones are around the signs, the messages, the things that have been happening, that they're like, Oh my God, that has been happening, but they didn't know why it was happening. So it's a little bit different, but similar in the the way that it shows up.
0: Well, and that's really what helped both me and my family was before it was just like, he's gone. And -hmm. it was like, we were in deep grief and mourning. And then once we started talking to you, it was like, why don't I just ask for him? Or why Mm -hmm. don't we look for him? And why don't we start to look for how the ways he does show up? And then all these weird things happen. Like for years, we've had the car lights that are the cars off and all of a sudden the car lights will start blinking on and off and like weird things will happen where we're like, what is that? And we've so we've started to learn like, oh, we're getting ready for a family trip. And every year before the family trip, my mom's car lights going off literally every year. So we have these internal jokes of like, hey, Jeff, Jeff's coming to join us. But what it ends up doing is one we're looking for and both my mom, my dad and I all have different ways that he comes to us. My mom gets these little tingles down her back. My dad used to play jokes on us and used to like, we'd be out hunting or fishing and he'd like take a stick and act like it was a bug behind her ear and we'd mm-hmm. grab it and he'd start laughing. And that happens to him. He'll be out fishing by himself. And all of a sudden he's turning. And it's funny. So we've related these different ways that we all connect with my brother mm-hmm. now that he shows up in our lives. And then what it happens is it gives us hope and meaning and he's in our heart. So we're like, right. ah, he's here with me. And I think that's what gives all of us more pieces instead of just somebody being gone and you're left in this grief, which is, I know this is what we talked about in the film, where there's this heaviness and this denseness, and like we can almost go downhill because we're yeah. in the grieving, oh, for sure, misery of it. It all of a sudden levitates us up to go, ah, what if their energy or their spirit is still here? What if they're still in my heart? What if I can still feel them? And then we have all these good memories, like we have so many memories because we talk about it it brings our family together. We're now inspired and excited and celebrating all the ways we see him because his death was pretty heavy. I mean, he died of a drug overdose. It was really heavy right around his death. And those were a lot of heavy memories those last couple of years. And if that was the end, that would have been my experience with my brother. And I would have wanted to put it in a box and bed in just that grief space, but absolutely, with the work we did. And now as a family unit, we keep talking and talking. We have all these anchored experience of, oh, he's here and it's excited. He's here. It's excited. And so It's stacked that energy from just a heavy, dense, dark ending to a celebration, excitement, love, joy, compassion. I think that's really the essence of your work you do. So I wanted to share it with more people because I can't tell you how many people that it's kind of in the lose a loved one club Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that people talk about it very openly. But then the very open conversation is, oh, we don't talk about this outside of it because people think we're crazy, but you guys are in the club. So we'll talk about it. And so there's this whole yeah, it's safe community. It's
2: safe over here because you get it because you've seen the signs and the weird things have happened versus, okay, but these people won't understand it. But what people don't know is most of the time, those people that we don't think understand it, they're also in the club talking about it with other people, right? Uh, because it's not necessary. And it's so much different than it was 30 years ago when, when I started having these experiences, right? So much different now because of the media, because of television shows, it's created more of an awareness. So there is more of an acceptance, But the thing that I love that you said is that you continue to create memories. He doesn't have a body any longer, but you continue to create the memories. So his presence is there. And that's part of, I think, where the biggest struggle and pain for people is, is that when they experience the absence of someone, which is certainly that they are no longer in your life physically, there's an absence, that we focus on the absence And the longer and more we focus on the absence, it's like the more dense we get, the heavier we get, the sadder we get, the more depressed, the sicker, because a lot of people manifest the illness in their own bodies, right? But when we start to focus on the presence of them in our lives, but in a different form, they're showing up, their presence is there, but it's showing up differently. Then it brings light, hope, possibility, and it creates a lighter energy, which then starts to move us out of the grief and into the healing process. And that's a beautiful thing to witness.
1: Well, hey, I don't know. I think I've read somewhere that 70% of people believe in angels in the United States or something. So I think there's a bigger acceptance than what maybe we assume. I think that there is a suspension of disbelief around stuff that we don't understand.
2: Absolutely. And it's hard to understand it because the reality of it is, there isn't some book that says, this is how it is. Like there is not, I mean, some people might consider the Bible, the book, right? That might be a book for some people, but the reality of it is in all of this, it's all unknown. And we're all just doing the best we can with the information we have and the lives we have at this time. And so I think to your point, I do believe there's more people that actually believe, but they don't know if it's safe to share because of societal ideas, judgments. Hey,
1: does everybody have some capacity, right? I mean, is that your belief that everybody has some capacity and maybe you're born with a certain nature of level of spiritual intuition and that it can be developed?
2: Absolutely. So I believe that if we are a spirit and a body, which most people will agree with, right? We're a spirit and a body. If we are a spirit and a body, the spirit is what is connecting energetically to the intuition. That's how intuition is coming through to you. So if you're a spirit and a body, which if we just said, okay, that's true, then everybody has the ability to connect to the spirit world energetically through intuition. And I think even in your audience, you guys working in like my husband's military, he's an ex-Marine, or I guess you don't call him exes, do you? You probably, that was probably totally bad. He's a Marine that <laughs> does not that he's a Marine. Excuse me, you might want to cut that out because I have a whole bunch of people mad at me now. But he's told me that before. I'm like, okay, well, so he's a Marine, and so he doesn't connect with a lot of the talk I'm having with you guys right now. However. What I can say is that he wouldn't call it intuition. He would call it a gut sense. He would call it, I just knew, right? And so I think in your audience, especially people that are cops and firefighters and in military, like so often you're going off of that gut. That is intuition. And, And oftentimes the gut intuition, it doesn't make sense. It's a thing that doesn't make sense. Like I really should be going left, but I went right and right saved my life right? Because my intuition spoke to me. So absolutely. I believe everybody has it. Now, not everybody knows what that is and not everybody calls it that. So I think that's where some of the challenges, because some people just don't recognize it.
0: Hey, we thank you for listening to the winter Folsom podcast. Just a couple quick notes. First, if you are a man, And you're looking for an honorable and inspiring group of men to hold you accountable and challenge you to grow in your relationships, your fitness, your career, your finances, and your life, go to www.k4men.com. And if you are a veteran, first responder, or man or woman who deals with trauma, and you are looking for some resiliency tools and skills for you, your team, or your organization, go to valorresiliency.com. Hope to see you there. Back to the podcast.
1: Hey, you can look at the amount of superstition that is encoded in honor-based cultures. And that's really what Josh was talking about with warriors. Honor-based cultures is police, fire, sports. The amount of superstition and ritual that is encoded in, I got a hit when I ate a ham sandwich. I eat a ham sandwich every time. Like, come on, guys. You know that you are praying to the gods of success with all of these rituals that we do. I mean, there's a reason why we don't walk on the grass, why we salute, why, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah, that's a really great point. I haven't thought of that way myself, but absolutely, because what are you thinking is going to do make something different happen? It's because of that connection that you have with whatever the sign was.
1: We're all praying to gods that are ruling different aspects of our life.
2: Yeah, that's a great way to put it.
1: So I'm curious,
0: son, I mean, you've been doing this work for a really long time. And I know it's scanned a lot from teaching people how to develop their own abilities and skills to writing books, to going deep into the angel work, to doing health assessments for people to find out what's going on in their body. So you've gotten a lot of work to, again, finding the missing people. You have such a range. I'm curious if you had to distill down a couple key things that you've learned from a long career of doing this, what's come up for you? Like, what are some of the lessons or insights or distinctions that you've gotten from being in this work for so long?
2: I would say the first thing that comes to me is that I think it's so important and I've learned this for myself to listen to my intuition over and above everything and anyone else, anything and everyone else. There have been times in my life that my intuition literally saved my life and literally has saved other people's lives because I listened and there was a choice point. And I think we've sat in that choice point. I think most of us have where it's like, Okay, what am I going to do? And sometimes there's only a split second to think, but I think it's not so much about the thinking as the feeling comes up. And so when we listen to our intuition, I do think that that's probably one of the most important things I've learned in my lifetime is that I have got to listen to myself over and above anybody or anything else. And in saying that, I know that that can be challenged a lot because people say, well, no, if it's this way, it's this way. But when your intuition, if it shows up and it's speaking and it's loud, there's a reason. And I always trust that reason. So I would say that's one of them. The other thing I think that's really important, and I know you guys do a lot of this, is to make sure that our physical vessel is strong and healthy as it can possibly be to channel the energy of your purpose. I think that a lot of times, especially service-oriented people, which is your audience, obviously, we have a tendency to sacrifice ourselves for our service and in whatever way that is. And I just noticed I'm putting myself with all of you because it's a different kind of service, but I think that we tend to put our needs oftentimes at the bottom of the list. And what I've learned is that if we're not honoring our bodies and listening to what they need in movement and nutrition and fuel, all of that, that we don't have the capacity to serve to our greatest ability and It not only lets us down, but it lets those that we are meant to serve down. And lucky me, I keep getting it because sometimes I forget and get so much into the the energy, especially through the pandemic. It was a real struggle for me because I got so into the service and needing to help the people that were struggling so much with all the conflict that I just kept putting me on the side, like, okay, in a little bit, in a little bit. And then all of a sudden my body said, no, no more Done. And so that's been a huge lesson in my life. And I know I've watched a lot of what you've been doing, Joshua, and that's a big part of what you're teaching. And it's so valuable because without this physical vessel, we just go back to spirit and you don't get to have this experience any longer, right? So we got to learn it while we're here.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'd also say this journey that I've been on more recently with really taking care of my body more than I ever have, combined with deep devotional practices to plug into spirit, which I haven't done that consistently ever those two things have allowed me to be more in alignment and to listen and then to actualize it at a hyper level. One question I did have for you, because I was thinking about as you were talking about your work, and I really do think you do the same work, like you're serving at a greater, like even just talking about some of the pictures that come through and like, you have to feel all that. And you're dealing with families a lot of time, just like a first responder, or you're dealing with people in times of crisis and pain, you're having to be there through their emotional stuff that comes up with loved ones and dealing with death. How do you process that? What are your resiliency protocols? Like, What do you do to offload some of that out of your body to get some of that so you don't take it on? Do you have certain practices or rituals you I do? I do.
2: And they change based on the needs. And I've noticed that as I have grown and as I've had more and more clients and as my business is built, my needs get even stronger in the needs to take care of myself. So first and foremost, I think for me is that I do a meditation practice that is not always 30 minutes. Sometimes it's five and sometimes it's 50. It depends on the day. But I think meditation, just taking a step back and just getting present with who I am here inside, tapping into the kind of that heart connection. And I also like to always... Take a moment to just connect with the spirit within me instead of just the person that's out there doing, 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 but the being that is creating the experiences. So meditation is very important to me. The other thing that I do every day, I have a very strong connection with the angelic realm because that's actually how I opened up to this whole world with with my experiencing my guardian angel at the age of 13. And so I always call the angels in and I ask them to support me and guide me. And I specifically call in Archangel Michael. Some people reference Saint Michael, but the energy is the same to help me to manage and maintain my own vibration as somebody that's sensitive. And I think a lot of people that are in service industries are sensitive. They might not show it externally, but there's a reason why you're called to be of service. And so, those that are sensitive, a lot of times we have a hard time holding our own energy and not absorbing the energy of the situations and the circumstances and i think there's a difference between just cutting it off and shutting it down and not having any emotion and then absorbing it and taking it all on and feeling everything and there's a fine line there and so for me working with archangel michael helps me to manage my energy so i can hold my frequency and i can be an observer of the situation and the experience is happening with someone instead of the absorber Of it, Because my nature before was much more of the, I just suck up all that feeling, all that sadness. And so I've learned how to be the witness. And that's been a very, very important practice for me as well. And then every morning I ask, actually the statement is spirit guide me in the best way I can serve today. Mm -hmm. And so when you say that, sometimes you get put in some situations, you're like, oh, this is it today. Okay, great. And then I end my morning practice with thank you. I think thank you is the greatest prayer we can offer.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say I actually got this latest tattoo is Archangel Michael, right. Sword. Michael Sword. All right, Michael Sword, yes. And he's been the strong, because I have two gone there. I haven't probably shared it as publicly or as openly, but because you're on, it's a great chance too. And I'm learning on embracing that and learning to share it more so that more men can embody that, that also are led by that. Because I'm not religious. I didn't grow up religious. I don't even, I just was more, always had that energy of Archangel Michael as the primary protect. It's a very protective energy because I think when you're very Sensitive and you can call on the spirit world. It's this whole world out there that's very yeah. confusing. And so when you're first starting to discover it, it's like, what do I do in this world? And there's everything out there. And so, sure. like, not knowing like where to go and what to understand, I got lost for a little while. And so I had to learn to like, how do I protect myself in the energetics? And when I call on him, I feel like I'm protected and I have somebody watching over me and guiding yeah. me. And so that's why I really like his energy. He's got a sword. He's always seen with the serpent that he's protect. He's just got this really strong protector energy. So if anybody's starting to get into it or any of it sounds interesting, check into some of that because he always protects you. If you're starting to open up to that world and he keeps you grounded, because I've seen some people in this world that lose it. They get very into ego. They think they're talking to spirit, but there's a whole world in here. So I don't want to get too off track, but my experience, personal experiences is there's entities that cross. And they're still dense and they haven't actually fully transitioned. And then they want to go hijacking on other beings and entities and they want to use you for their enjoyment. And so you start thinking you're talking to spirit, but it's actually guiding you to do destructive things and to pull you away from spirit. And so it can be very tricky to navigate that. So make sure you're doing an energetic cleansing process. Make sure you have certain guides to protect you. And to know, you start to learn over time, like, oh, that was that energy. It feels very sludgy, heavy. Yeah, You can feel the difference.
2: Yes. You start to feel feel the subtleties of it. And I think too, that some of you, as hearing Joshua just sharing before, you're like, okay, this is freaking a little bit crazier now than what I was getting into. But this is what I would say is that there is light and dark, positive and negative on all levels everywhere. That is how the universe is. And so that doesn't change whether it's physical or non-physical. And I think that a lot of times when we're unaware of density, I mean, just think about like, I always use this as an example. I'm sure some of you have a friend or a family member that when they call on the phone and you look, you're like, yep, can't do that right now. Like, nope, can't handle it. Like it's heaviness, it's density, it's whatever. You can feel that just by looking at the phone, right? So that same feeling, sometimes you have that feeling and you don't know why. But the reason you're feeling that is because there's an energetic, there's an energetic source that's bringing lower vibration it could be somebody in your household it could be somebody around you it could be somebody standing in line behind you and so when you start to pay attention to that and you go yeah i don't want to bring i don't want to feel that i don't want to tap into that when we can hold our own energy or have michael help to protect our energy so we're not absorbing it then we can be a witness to it and just recognize it because usually that l- lower density it's pain or fear or anger or sadness it's just a lower frequency it's not good bad right or wrong just lower frequency And we don't have to take on that lower frequency. And so when we're thinking about that, if you guys recognize that there's energies, people, beings that maybe feel a little bit dense, you can always choose to call Michael to help hold your space so you don't carry it like a lot of us do.
1: Any uh, spiritual system, whether it be Christian or Norse, Norse mythology is really big right now. Today's Thursday, we're recording this, and that's Thor's day. Yesterday was Wednesday or Woden's day. And uh, Woden, it was, he sacrificed himself for nine days on the tree of woe to get the runes to allow us to be able to engage with this topic. Right? It, it's it was, the
2: divining tool, the runes. I teach people about how to use runes. So it's a very yeah, powerful tool. Well, this is
1: how kind of I'm getting to is the rune for life is a three-pronged pitchfork. An upside-down rune is the opposite. And that's what's on your wall behind you, is that's the rune sign for death and mm-hmm. There's a powerful symbolism of what you do, which is, it's that connection between life and death and creating peace.
2: Look at how cool that is. Good job, <laughs> Philip.
1: I'm just saying. Check that out. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. And I love, and the thing is, is like runes, for example, there's a lot of different tools people use that are just divination tools and mm-hmm. all the tools externally, they're all for the same purpose. The purpose is just to connect internally. And so we don't need any tools at all. We already have everything we need right here because the very best oracle we have is our own body, our own spirit within the body and the ways that we receive messages through seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing, scent, taste, touch. We get that information through the body. So we don't have to have the tools, but for a lot of people, the tools help people validate what they feel inside. It gives proof almost in a sense.
0: And that could look like, tarot cards. There's a lot of different things that could look like to give some validation to your intuition, which is looping back to what we were saying earlier is as you start to learn to trust your intuition, sometimes I needed it. I needed some validation of like, oh, I'm feeling this. Even I remember when you did what I was doing your course, I was like, oh, I was already feeling this. I just needed a little bit more trust. And I even remember this is way back when I was in Arizona. And I remember I was even doing channeling courses for a while. Cause I was like, wow, I'm pretty tapped in. Maybe I want to go deep into this field. And I was going to different channels and we were learning how to do it. And I remember at some point we would watch channels and I was asking questions. I was always so curious. And then at one point I would start to hear the answer faster than the person and I would disagree. And then I started to go, oh wait, I don't need this. And it totally shifted my whole way of being is like, oh, I don't need to, because there's a whole world in this. For those of you that don't know, some people get information and stay in their body. Some other entity comes in and they leave. There's a whole world in that. And I realized like, Hey, I, if I'm already able to receive, then how do you want me to serve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just yes. started, but that's when I really, I think truly shifted my operating system over to serving what creates life and serving source versus serving myself or other people or the world, the world around me, it allowed me to plug into a higher calling and to serve at a greater level. Cause I believe all life is here to create more life. And that's what I, I'm hearing you did, Sonny, you like, you couldn't say no to that signal that kept tapping you. Your hero's journey was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. And then you had to go through a really rigorous process because typically in culture, especially when you started, it was looked at very negatively. And so you oh, had to sure. step sure. into that to express these gifts in addition to what how culture was telling you, no, it's not acceptable. And that's really what we've been doing with men's work, mm-hmm. with a lot of the stigmatism around men's work and healthy masculinity and what men have taken recently. And the same thing we're doing with Valor and bringing back resiliency protocols when resiliency was kicked out of the organizations because it was looked at as weak because they needed it on the battlefield. Or when you're doing the job, you can't be in your emotions because you can't do the job. So the training, the hard training was wrapped to not do it. So there's a big stigma that we've been fighting, but really the intuition in us is like, this is saving lives. This is healing families. This is- And
2: generations.
0: Generations of culture. So it's up to us to do it, but there's a heavy fight that you're up against because the culture is behind what is where we're heading. And so reason I wanted to share that if you're listening and you're getting an intuitive hit and maybe you're not listening to it because I didn't want to go into death and grief work. And that's how I started this. It didn't start in resiliency. It started of you need to go into work with people that are grieving and you need to go right in the heart and sit with people that are dying every day. And that was like, Oh, this feels so heavy and so dense. And, but when you get the hit, my inspiration for you or my call to adventure to you would be, can you start to trust your intuition? Can you start to trust where you're being led? What is your purpose? What do you need to serve? Cause you already have the purpose. I hear so many people like, I don't know what my purpose is. My challenge to you be like, you already know you're just not listening. And it's a subtle little tap you get and to start listening to that and start trusting that, even if it goes against your whole environment, your family, your friends, like trust your own internal intuition.
2: Because it's the thing that most of the time does not make sense, meaning you're not going to plan it out. You don't have a step by step by step. It's just like, go here. And it's oftentimes you're stepping into the unknown. And so many people are so afraid of the unknown. And what i like to remind people of as you're talking, this kind of stood out for me is the unknown is where all possibility lies. It isn't just where the scary stuff happens. All possibility in life is in the other side of the second, the second, the second, all of that is unknown. So if we think about the unknown and we go, you know what, I'm going to embrace the unknown because all of my joy and happiness and peace and freedom and love and expansion and growth lives there too. So we have this sense that we're supposed to be afraid of what we don't know. What if instead we open up to embrace that unknown. Because in that, the possibilities are there. And that to me is, I think, where so many people hold themselves back. I mean, I hear it every day in every class. I'm scared of what's going to happen. Okay, well, it's okay to acknowledge that fear. We want you to feel the fear. And then we want you to recognize that, hey, you can be scared of what's going to happen. And you can also at the very same time say, you know what, great things could happen too. In the very same experience, why not go for that?
1: It's a little shift between Fear and excitement, which are exactly the same thing. There, and if, you, the and if people talk
2: about them, yes. When yeah. If you talk about how does your body feel when it's afraid, okay, I've got a pit in my stomach, my hands sweat, that back of my neck, the hair stand up, my heart races. How does your body feel when you're excited? I have butterflies in my stomach, butterfly versus pit. Okay, yeah. my palms are sweaty, my heart's racing, like it's the same exact thing, it's just deciding which one it's going to be for you and our society teaches us to be afraid.
1: And it's more important than we think because that moment of decision fork in the road, if you choose the fear path, then really a biochemical level, you're dealing with a whole bunch of really toxic shit, which is cortisol and adrenaline and no and a whole bunch of stress hormones versus excitement. You're getting dopamine and oxytocin and a bunch of a cocktail of feel good party hormones. So if we train ourselves to choose that path less traveled, which is the excitement path into the unknown you're talking about. Exactly. Boy, that's the journey.
2: That is the journey. And what's cool about it is you could be afraid to move across the country by yourself, or you can be excited about it. It's that simple. And I think so many people think that the feeling comes first. No, it's a decision. And it's a trained decision. It's been trained into us in society to be afraid of everything, be afraid of this, be afraid of that. And if we start to say, you know what, I am so much bigger than the fears. And if I'm a spirit and a body, I'm here for big reasons. And so I can be excited about these possibilities instead of afraid. And if I make that decision, it changes the course of your life.
1: And one of the things that helps that process is the differentiation between fear and danger. And honestly, people, how much danger is there actually in your life, in our current world? It's not a lot. There's not a whole lot of danger left. And obviously there are some people who are police, like, yeah, you're living in legit danger and that has to be honored. But for most of us, boy, it's a pretty arbitrary thing. Yeah, that's a great point too. And this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you
0: coming on to join us and talk about all these subjects. I think it's really going to add some spice into our. (laughs) our, our I bet it is. (laughs) And I think also, it's just really important to me. This has been one of my greatest guiding principles to bring me peace and happiness through one of the most challenging part of my life. It's actually allowed me to brought my family closer together. It's allowed us to have more peace, joy, and love in the world. And I think that's a big reason I wanted to share this is I've been probably hiding it a little bit and I'm practicing on owning and embracing and like wearing proud who I am and what I do in the world instead of worrying about who else gives a shit. And I'm just like, no, this is what works for me and I'm going to share it. And Try it on or don't try it on, but I just I'm really grateful to bring you here, Sonny, because you've been a big part of my experience. And I'm so grateful for you. And thanks for jumping on and sharing this. Would love to understand how can people find you, what projects you're working on. Like let us know. This will probably come out in a month or two, a couple okay. months out. So just let us know how they can find you, the work you're doing, any products or programs you're doing. So people
2: can um, find you know what? There. My website's the best place to go. So it's my name, Sunny Dawn Johnston with a t, dot com. And there's all kinds of information on there. If you're interested in learning more, I have a lot of different courses and have different programs. If you're working through personal challenges, then I've got communities to be able to help support people that way. If you are wanting to develop your intuition, I have an intuition community. I teach a class every single week for years in intuition. So people get practice in all these different areas. So there's a lot of information there and that's where I would guide you. And I think also just to wrap up is I do believe people are guided. So if you watched this regardless of the feeling you have. It doesn't matter to me. Like I said, I'm not here to prove anybody anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think everybody is exactly where they need to be. But if you feel like there's something that calls you, then just listen to that. If you find some interest, then follow that. And if you don't, then follow that. It's not all the same for all of us. It's not meant to be. And I appreciate the time and space. And Joshua, I've really enjoyed watching your journey. And I'm freaking, I know I'm not very much older than you, but I kind of feel like I'm a little mama bear and I'm like, Oh my God, this kid is doing such great work in this world. So thank Mm. you so much for how you guys are serving the men in the world that need to know that they deserve and are allowed to feel what they feel and can still be strong, healthy men in this world. I think it's such a beautiful example as a woman that has sons and grandsons and brothers, there's not enough of it. And so I'm really grateful to you both. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much such an honor and all of you listening today take a moment your challenge today is take a moment to be more intuitive listen to your intuitive guidance and go take action on that thanks for joining us and stay battle-tested